Before we get started with the sermon this morning, just a couple of quick announcements that I want to share with you guys. Uh, first of all, one that's kind of near and dear to my heart is SoCal Teen Camp. Uh, teen Camp is on this year, as far as we know today. Um, they are going to go ahead and move forward with Teen Camp. Things will look and feel a little bit differently with some social distancing things in mind. For example, the churches will be in cabins to themselves as opposed to splitting the kids up by age groups. And they've taken a lot of precautions such as that. So if you have any questions and if you have a child who has completed the seventh grade all the way through completed their senior year of high school, please let me know. Please visit the website. I can answer any questions that you have. But Teen Camp is an amazing, incredible experience where our kids get to go up to the mountain and just spend a week worshiping and learning about God with no technology and no screens and no other distractions. So it's always an amazing time. And again, if you have any questions, see me or see uh, Michael Wexler. We can answer any questions that you have. The other announcement that I have for you just real quick is just a reminder that next week is Mother's Day. And that's always a very special Sunday for us here at the Mission Viejo Church of Christ. We hope that you will be able to come out and join us. We always recognize our mothers and our mother figures in our lives on Mother's Day. So we hope that you'll be able to join us next week for that. And just a friendly reminder, if you haven't gotten anything for your mom, get it ordered today so you can make sure that you get it there by Mother's Day. So that's what I have for you in the way of announcements. And we're going to transition now into our next phase of the book of Nehemiah. Um, if you're familiar with the book of Nehemiah, you know that we are actually getting fairly close to the end of the book of Nehemiah. It's been a great series for me. I know that I've learned a lot. I hope that you've learned a lot as well, as we've really just looked at Nehemiah's attempt to rebuild the city of God. And I think that the timing couldn't be more perfect for this series, as that's kind of what we're in. We're kind of in a rebuilding phase. As things start to open back up and as people start to feel more comfortable and we see the numbers each week getting a little bigger and a little bigger, it's time for us to rebuild the Mission Viejo Church of Christ. And I don't mean the actual walls and the structure because we're blessed to have this beautiful building to meet in, but I'm talking about the church itself, the ecclesia, the gathering, the members that make up this church. And that's what we're really going to be focusing on today. You'll notice that I've titled this lesson, Commitment to the Cause. And this is going to come from Nehemiah chapter 10. So if you have your Bibles, if you have your Bible app, if you have your iPad, uh, however it is you like to read scripture, I want to encourage you to open that up and follow along with us here today as we dig into chapter 10. So I want to look at this idea of commitment. Commitment's kind of a funny word. And this is the quote from Abraham Lincoln. It says, it's what transforms a promise into a reality. So, this is where you guys get to get involved. I want to know, what does commitment mean to you? Or what do you think of when you hear the word commitment? Go ahead, shout it out. Dedication. Loyalty. Marriage. Faithfulness. I'm sorry? No looking back. I like that one. So when we hear that word commitment, it's kind of one of those words that you hear that kind of evokes strong emotions, right? It makes the wheels kind of start to, start to spin and start to think about what commitment means to you. Commitment is kind of a strange word because commitment seems to have lost some of its meaning over the last several years. When I think of commitment, I think of, as one of you mentioned, I think of, of the marriage commitment, of course. I think of the fact that I made a commitment to my wife. I also think of when we are baptized into Christ, right? We make a commitment to follow Christ. 
Well, what we see, unfortunately, these days is we see that that whole commitment idea is starting to kind of lose some of its luster. It used to be when you got married, married was for life. Married was, look, I am pledging my faith to you for the rest of my life. Now, for me, that still means that, and hopefully for each of you who hear this, it means that as well. But we know that we now live in a society where marriage has almost become kind of a trial run, right? Well, I'll just go ahead and get married, and if it doesn't work out, no big deal. We'll just get a divorce, and I'll move on, and I'll marry someone else. And we see this pattern kind of repeating itself over and over again. We see this with commitment to lots of different things, and unfortunately, we see this with commitment to our faith and commitment to Jesus Christ. You know, if you think back to the day that you were baptized, and for some of you, this may have been 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago, and for some of you, maybe it's been within the last couple of months. But think back to that day that you were baptized into Christ, and you were just on fire for the Lord. You had just made this commitment, and whoever baptized you had just said, are you committing your life to Christ? And you said, yes, I am. And you just couldn't wait to get out there and do the work of the Lord. Well, I hope and my prayer for you is that you still feel that way today, whether it was a month ago or 20 years ago or 50 years ago. I hope you still feel that fire and that commitment that you've made to Jesus Christ. But unfortunately, what we see is, just like what we talked about with marriage, oftentimes this commitment or this idea of commitment just kind of gets pushed by the wayside. See, when things get tough, it's easy to forget that commitment that we made because we want to take the easier road out. Well, that's what we're going to be looking at today as we unpack Nehemiah chapter 10, is the fact that they made a commitment to rebuild this community. They made a commitment to the cause of Jesus Christ. So let's go ahead and jump in. The bottom line of what we're looking at today is it takes commitment to restore the community of God. See, Nehemiah wasn't just rebuilding a city. He wasn't just rebuilding the walls, although that was part of it. He was rebuilding the community because he knew that he had to bring the people back together. Because as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, God doesn't care about our buildings and our walls. He cares about our hearts and the people because that's what the church really is. And that's exactly what we're looking at here today. So let's go ahead and look. We're going to take a step back to Nehemiah chapter 9. And this is at the end of Nehemiah chapter 9, we're in verse 38, and it says, In view of all of this, we are making a binding agreement, putting it in writing, and our leaders, our Levites, and our priests are affixing their seals to it. Now, I love this so much because they even took it one step further. They didn't just say, hey, we're making a commitment. They actually said, look, we're going to put it in writing. We're actually going to put it in writing. And I love that. Now, when we commit our lives to Christ, we don't, we don't as a rule, sign a, a document. We, we give a baptismal certificate, of course, so you can remember that day. But we don't necessarily put it in writing. But think about pretty much anything else that you want to get these days. If you want to buy a car, if you want to get a cell phone, if you want to buy a house, you'll get writer's cramp from all the pieces of paper that you have to sign. And, of course, now, you know, we have these amazing things called DocuSign where you literally just go through it and you click, 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 and it signs your name. But you get the idea. They were willing to put their faith in writing. They were willing to put in writing that, look, we are going to do our part to help rebuild this community. See, that's what commitment is all about. So let's go ahead and jump forward. We're going to start towards the end of Nehemiah chapter 10 because the first section of Nehemiah is actually kind of cool. But it, it literally just lists the names of all the people who are committing to the cause. So I think it's better for us to start a little bit farther down 
You can go back and read those names at your convenience, of course. But we're going to start in Nehemiah chapter 10 in verse 31. <coughs> it says, When the neighboring peoples bring merchandise or grain to sell on the Sabbath, we will not buy from them. On the Sabbath or on any holy day. And then it says, every seventh year, we will forego working the land and will cancel all debts. A couple of things here. Number one, they're basically saying, look, we're going to honor the Sabbath. And I know that's kind of a foreign concept to us, right? Because in the day and age that we live in, we work six, seven, ten days a week, it feels like. But they are saying, look, we are committing to following the Sabbath. Because that was one of the commands of the Old Testament, was that they, that they recognized and that they understood and that they took the Sabbath as their day of rest to focus on their commitment to God. And they're basically saying, look, we're going to do that. We're not going to make money on that day. We're going to do exactly what we've been commanded to do. And then I love this part at the end, and some of you are familiar with this concept and some of you are not. But every seven years, they, they, had, the, they had a day where they just forgave debts. Now, this is, very, this is very foreign to us, right? Because could you imagine you signed a 30-year mortgage, right? And on the seventh year, they said, guess what? Your debt is forgiven. You are good. Now, that would be a very happy surprise, of course, right? But, but not a very realistic one. But this is what they did in the Old Testament times to keep people from getting into overwhelming debt, to keep people from getting into poverty. Because remember, in these times, they would actually sell their children into slavery to try to pay their debts. So every seven years, they would basically just come along and erase all of that and say, look, your debt is forgiven. Let's go ahead and continue with our text in verse 32. It says, we assume the responsibility for carrying out the commands to give a third of a shekel each year for the service of the house of God. So this is kind of what they're talking about here with the tithing, right? But, but I love the first part of that verse where it says, we assume the responsibility. They assumed the responsibility. See, see we sometimes get in this pattern, right, where we, we want other people to be responsible, right? We, we want to do these things, but, but let somebody else do that. We want to accomplish all these great things at our church, but we don't want to get our hands dirty and do the work. They said, look, we're going to assume responsibility. And one of the ways that we're going to do that is this outward showing of actually giving this money. And we're going to stick to it because we know that that's important for the work of the church. Let's continue in verse 33. It says, For the bread set out on the table, for the regular grain offerings and burnt offerings. It says, For the offerings of the Sabbaths. It says, And the new moon feasts and at the appointed festivals. It says, for the holy offerings, for sin offerings, to make atonement for Israel, and for all of the duties of the house of our God. Now, I don't know about you, this is kind of a little side note, I am very glad that we don't have to do burnt offerings and sacrifices anymore, because I personally don't want to do it, as much as I love barbecue. I don't want to have to sacrifice an animal for forgiveness of sins. But that's not really the point that this verse is trying to make. The point that this verse is trying to make is that they did. That they gave a part of what they had. And we know from other passages throughout the, the Old Testament, right, that they gave the best. They gave the best calf as an offering. They gave their best grain as an offering. It wasn't a leftover. It wasn't an afterthought. It was their best. And that's what they're committing to here. 
Is they're saying, look, we're going to continue to do this because it's the duty of the house of our God. Verse 34, we, the priests, the Levites, and the people have cast lots to determine when each of our families is going to, excuse me, when each of our families is to bring to the house of God, it says, the set times each year a contribution of wood to burn on the altar of the Lord our God, and it is, as it is written in the law. Now, here's the thing I like about this. They're donating wood, right? And that, that seems a little strange to us here, here in Southern California, right? But they're donating wood. Now, why is that significant? Because they were doing whatever it took to make sure that the house of God could function in the way it was supposed to function. And if that meant that they had to go out and cut wood, they went out and cut wood. Do we do that same thing? Or do we get so hung up and look, yes, I'm going to make my offering, but that's all I'm going to do. See, they're showing their commitment by saying, look, if the house of God needs wood, we're going to bring wood. Now, granted, we don't need wood here, so please don't uh, come drop off your firewood donations. But the point is, they did whatever it took to make the house of God run in the way it was supposed to. Verse 35. Verse 35 says, We also assume responsibility for bringing the house of the Lord each year the first fruits of our crops and every fruit tree. It says, As it is also written in the law, we will bring the firstborn of our sons and of our cattle, of our herds, and of our flocks to the house of our God. It says, To the priests ministering there. So again, we see this assuming responsibility. Now, don't miss that first word. What is that first word? What is the first word? We. Say that again. We. See, it doesn't say you. It doesn't say they. It doesn't say everybody else. It says we assume the responsibility. And I think this is a great example for us because we've talked a lot through Nehemiah about the leadership of Nehemiah. And clearly it's working because he has instilled this we attitude amongst the people. We assume the responsibility. We're going to come back to that idea of we assuming the responsibility here just a little bit later on. But let's continue with our text. In verse 37, it says... Moreover, we will bring to the storerooms of the house of our God, says to the priests, the first of our ground meal and our grain offerings of the fruit of all of the trees and of our new wine and olive oil. It says we will bring a tithe of our crops to the Levites, for it is the Levites who collect the tithes in all the towns where we work. Again, it's just this idea of the first fruits. But I think there's a reason that Nehemiah says this over and over again, because again, he's stressing the importance of giving our first fruits, of really committing to the cause. So let's go ahead and jump ahead to verse 38. It says, a priest descended from Aaron is to accompany the Levites when they receive the tithes. And the Levites are to bring a tenth of the tithes up to the house of God to the storerooms of the treasury. Verse 39 says, the people of Israel, including the Levites, are to bring the contributions of grain, new wine, and olive oil to the storerooms. It says, where the articles for the sanctuary and for the ministering priests, the gatekeepers and the musicians are also kept. 
Now, I love this last part. I love it so much I underlined it. It says, we will not neglect the house of the Lord. We will not neglect the house of the Lord. Now, I love that because what we've been talking about throughout this whole thing is not just a, it's not just an offering of money. It's been an offering of grain. It's been an offering of cattle. It's been an offering of wood. It's been an offering of time. And it's been an offering of talents. Because maybe as you hear this this morning, you say, well, I just don't have the financial means to, to be a big donor, to give a lot of money to the church. But here's the beautiful thing. <coughs> the beautiful thing is we can give of our time. We can give of our energy. We can give of our talents. One of the big things that we're going to be focusing on with the leadership team as we, as we continue this reopening process of the church is getting our ministries back up and going. Our hands and feet ministry. Continuing with our, our military ministry. Continuing with our comfort cafe ministry. And guess what? That's going to be a we thing. Right? That's going to be a we thing. Because we don't neglect the house of the Lord, right? So what that means is we're going to ask for your help. We're going to ask for your help as, as these things get ready to happen. And there's going to be some opportunities for you to, to pitch in of your time and your talents. And we want to be just like the people in Nehemiah. We're going to say, yes, we commit to rebuild the house of the Lord. We commit to rebuild this community of believers in Mission Viejo. And we will not neglect the house of God. Now, I want to change gears just a little bit here, and I want to jump over to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. <laughs> now, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, if you're familiar with this passage, this is obviously Paul. Paul wrote 2 Corinthians. He's writing to the church in Corinth about this idea of giving, and it's a really cool passage, so, so stick with me here. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 and 2 says, And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Now, I like this because Paul is basically saying, look, I want to use this church as an example. And we're going to use this church of Macedonia as an example of what the church in Corinth should look like. It says, in the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. So again, he's talking to this church in Corinth and he's saying, look, these people over in Macedonia have been through a lot of trials and a lot of tribulations, and they just don't have a lot of money, but they continue to give. They continue to give of their hearts and their time and their talents. And what happens? They were, they were blessed. Verse 3 <coughs> it says, For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability. It says, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. A couple of things here that, that are just really, really powerful. It says they gave as much as they were able and even beyond. Now, I love that because you can't outgive God. You just can't. Ken talked this morning about the things that God has given, the things that God has done for us, the things that God has blessed us with, but you can't outgive God. See, something powerful happens when we have the faith to say, look, God, I'm going to go ahead and give this to you because I trust that you're going to take care of you. And guess what? He will over and over and over again. And verse 4 says, they pleaded with them for the privilege of sharing in the service. 
They begged to be in service. They begged, how can I help the church? How can I help build the kingdom? They begged. They begged to get involved. What a beautiful thing that would be is if we came together as a church and just begged and pleaded, how can I get involved? How can I serve others? How can I spread the good news of Jesus Christ? Verse 5. Or not. It says, and they exceeded our expectations. It says, they gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. It says, so we urge Titus, just as he had earlier made a, made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. Let's go ahead and move ahead to verse 7. It says, but since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, See that you also excel in the grace of giving. See, he's talking to the church in Corinth and he's saying, look, you guys do a lot of things right. You're doing a lot of things really good. But now we need you to step up a little bit when it comes to giving. Now, here's the thing I like about this passage is, is Paul is, is using the church at Macedonia as an example, right? He's saying, look at what they're doing over here. Now, how cool would that be if people did that with the Mission Viejo Church of Christ? How cool would that be if the people in this community said, look at that church and the amazing things that they're doing, we need to be more like them. I want you to think about that just for a minute. Let's just, let's just, let's just picture in our minds that Paul's writing this letter today. How cool would that be if instead of, hey, look at the church in Macedonia, he said, look at those folks over in Mission Viejo. Look at how they open their hearts Look at how they want to serve their community. Look at the amazing things that they're doing over there. Wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't that be amazing to have our church be the church that other churches want to be like? And there's no reason that we can't. There is no reason that we can't be the example. I, I like this quote. I'm not even sure who this is, to be honest with you, but I just love this quote. It says, you're an example. It says, whether you're good or not is up to you. That's a powerful, powerful quote that could be plugged into commitment as well. When we think about our commitment, when we think about our commitment to Jesus, when we think about our commitment to our church, when we think about our commitment to spreading the gospel to others, whether it be at our workplaces or at our schools, or even sometimes in our own family, are we a good example or do we need some work? When you look at your life and you, you look at your service, you look at the things that you're doing to help others, and you look at the way that you're sharing the gospel with others, which category do you fall into? Are you a good example or do we need to do some work? Well, this time and this place that we find ourselves in as we, as we come out of this pandemic, what a perfect time to say, look, I need to renew this commitment. I need to renew this commitment to this covenant that I made with Jesus Christ when I was buried in baptism. I need to renew this commitment to serving. I need to renew this commitment to not neglecting the house of God. You have an opportunity to do that. See, as we, as we start to come back together, 
It's almost like a, a grand reopening, if you want to call it that. As we start to come back together, we've got to rethink the things that we're doing, the why that we're doing it, and the how that we're doing it. And we have the opportunity to do that. We have the opportunity to transform this church into the Macedonian church that other churches look at and go, I want to be like them. But it's up to us. What if? What if we committed or recommitted ourselves to the church, to the community, and to the cause? What might that look like? What could this look like if each and every one of us truly committed ourselves to the cause of Jesus Christ? Or maybe recommitted ourselves to the cause of Jesus Christ? What could that look like? What if you came in one Sunday morning, couldn't find a place to sit? Wouldn't that be a great problem to have? You walk in here on a Sunday morning and you get here a little bit late thinking you're going to sneak in and slip in the back and you can't even find a place to sit. Jesus Christ has done something amazing for each and every one of us. And and we should want to share that with every person that we come into contact with. When we get a new car, we get a new phone, we want to tell everybody, right? Right? We want to post all over social media, check out my new ride, check out my new car, and there's nothing wrong with that. But are we just as excited to tell people about Jesus Christ? What if not only was every seat full, but when you look to your right or you look to your left, you see your best friend, or you see your next door neighbor, or you see your coworker? Don't you want to share what we have with others? See, if we truly recommitted to Jesus and we truly recommitted to our church, there's no reason we couldn't do that. But see, it takes what we've been talking about, and that's the we. It takes all of us working together. Our elders alone can't can't rebuild the church. No offense, guys. Our elders alone can't rebuild the church. I can't rebuild the church. But we can rebuild the church. See, it's that we that gets it done. And Nehemiah knew that, and I hope that we understand that as well. So what do we take from this? we got to commit to the cause of Jesus Christ. We can't neglect the house of the Lord. And what's the one thing that we can do above all else? Is pray. Pray for our church. Pray for your brothers and sisters who are in these seats and even more importantly, the ones that aren't. Pray for your neighbors. Pray for your coworkers. Ken talked earlier about loving your enemies. Pray for your enemies. Right? It's not easy to do sometimes, right? Sometimes we know we're supposed to pray for people that maybe we don't want to pray for. But we've got to love everyone. And if you truly love them, whether it's your neighbor or your coworker or somebody you go to school with, or your family members, if you truly love them, then you want to share Jesus with them. You want to share Jesus with them. Take action and make it happen. Because it's going to take all of us. It's going to take each and every one of us. But think of what we can do as a church if we all come together and work for a common goal, which is to share Jesus with as many people as we possibly can. 
I believe that could be very powerful. In just a moment, I'm going to invite one by one to come back up and lead us in a song of invitation. And maybe you're at a point in your life where you're ready to commit your life to Christ. Maybe you're ready to be baptized for the remission of your sins and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're ready to take that step, that plunge, that leap of faith to say, look, Jesus, I do believe with all my heart and soul that you are the Christ and that you came to die for me. And I want to commit to live the rest of my life for you. Or maybe you've been a Christian for a long time. Maybe you've been a Christian for a long time, but you've just lost that desire and that drive. What a great chance this morning, before you leave this building, to recommit your life, to say, look, Jesus, I know I haven't done the best I could during the pandemic, but I want to recommit to you and the work that you would have me to do. If you have an opportunity to do that, we'd be happy to talk with you. We'd be happy to pray for you. We'd be happy to help you in any way that we can as we stand together and as we sing. you so much for joining us here at the Mission Viejo Church of Christ this morning. It's been a blessing to have you here. Whether you're here in the auditorium, you're out in the courtyard, or you are part of our live stream audience, we are just so thankful to have you here with us. And we do want to just briefly remind you about our Wednesday nights. At 7 o'clock, we have our adult Bible study on Zoom. At 6.30, we have our youth group here at the church building. Would you please join me in a word of closing prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this beautiful day and this amazing time that we had to come together to worship you and to just really put everything else aside and focus on you. Heavenly Father, more than anything this morning, we ask that you just help us to really just examine where we're at. And if we need to commit to you or recommit to you, please just place that on our hearts and show us the way that you would have us to do that, Heavenly Father, as we attempt to just rebuild our church community. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for all that you do for us. We thank you for all that you bless us with, and we thank you for all of the families 
that are represented here at our church. We ask you would continue to watch over them and continue to bless them. And most of all, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for loving us enough to send your son. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Have a wonderful week. Fire and floods and storm and rain Your love still remains the same Famine, drought, and darkest day Your love still remains And it's you, Lord, who we come to Storm